Well, hello again. Tony Payne here with The Painful Truth. Great to have you here in one of our free public editions. It goes out to everyone on the list. So great to have everyone along for this episode. And this week, our topic is the Bible and receiving revelations. It's funny how often the big puzzle that you see in a Bible passage can distract you from the smaller enigma or puzzle that lurks in one of the verses. For example, whenever I read 1 Corinthians 14, which is Paul's big chapter about how we should order our life in church and what sort of gifts we should pursue, it's at the end of that great section in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 that's all about that. The question I immediately go to and want answered, and in fact that most people puzzle over, is about the nature of prophecy. Prophecy is the gift I should pursue, says Paul in this chapter, because it is the best way to edify other people, to love them and see them grow. Prophecy is the best gift to pursue, he says, because it edifies. But that leaves me wondering, just what is prophecy exactly? What is this gift that is so good to pursue? Now, this is a big question and a complicated one in some ways, and many people have written a lot of things about it. For those of you who are interested, I came up with what I think is a good answer to that question about prophecy during the PhD research I did a few years ago. And if you'd like to read some of that, just drop me a line. I'm happy to send you some of that text. Uh, just email me at tonyjpayne@me.com. And the other added benefit is that if you are having trouble sleeping at night, you can just use this chapter of the PhD to just send you right off uh, when you're lying awake in those small hours. But the big question of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14 might lead us to miss some of the smaller but no less intriguing questions that pop up along the way. And in particular, one that I've recently noticed in verse 26. In verse 26, Paul says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So what Paul is envisaging and encouraging is that people turn up to church with various things to contribute to the congregation, to others, for their edification, for building up. Hymns and lessons, I can understand. Tongues, well, that's another can of worms. But pretty casually and in passing, Paul says that you might turn up with a revelation. And this makes me kind of nervous. I kind of can envisage that strange guy with the intense eyes turning up to church with a new book of the Bible under his arm that God has told him to write. Or I can see that overly confident woman with the slightly matronly manner rolling up to me and telling me with divine authority that God knows exactly what I'm up to and that I should knock it off. What are these revelations that the Corinthians are having and bringing to church with them? It almost sounds a bit alarming. Let's dig into this smaller but no less important puzzle. Like all words, it's possible to confuse what revelation means as a word with how it's used or what it refers to. The word revelation, the original word in the text that we're looking at, literally means to make something fully known or clear, to uncover or disclose something, some person or some truth or some knowledge much as it does in English. And in the New Testament, that revelation, that making known, can be of a number of different things. 
It can be the making known of Jesus Christ when he comes again in glory in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, earlier in this book. When Jesus comes again, he'll be revealed for all to see. Or it can be some special knowledge that is made to someone directly by God, such as when Paul says that he was not taught the gospel by any man, but received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in this, he's probably referring to the Damascus Road experience, where Jesus confronted him personally as his Lord. So what is it that is becoming known or clear to someone here in 1 Corinthians 14, such that they bring this revelation with them to church to edify others? It doesn't necessarily mean that they've had their own dramatic Damascus Road vision, and it certainly doesn't mean that they've received a whole new gospel because an angel has appeared and given it to them. In fact, if that happens, says Paul in Galatians, we can be pretty sure it was no angel, certainly no angel of God. So what sort of revelation might this be? Now, earlier in the chapter, in 1 Corinthians 14, the possibility of having a revelation to share with others is also mentioned. And again, it's one of a list of similarly edifying ways of speaking. Paul says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? That's in 1 Corinthians 14.6. So how is revelation different from teaching or knowledge or prophecy? Does that help us understand it? Well, there's some overlap, no doubt, between these different ideas, but it's also not difficult to see some differences between them. A teaching might be a specific nugget of truth or learning that has been passed on to us so that we can then in turn pass it on or teach it to others. Knowledge might well refer to a broader category of understanding of things that we've come to know over time and that we can also share with others. Prophecy, just to give you a shorthand answer to that big question, is very likely a particular application of the gospel to a particular context. But that again leaves us with revelation. What sort of revelation does Paul mean? I think the kind of revelation being talked about here in 1 Corinthians 14 is like the revelation that Paul speaks of in Philippians chapter 3. He says in Philippians 3.15, Let those of us who are mature think this way. That is the way he's just been talking about. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. When things are unclear or partially known or misunderstood, the problem often lies not in receiving a new teaching or a new piece of knowledge, but in what is already partially or poorly known, becoming fully known, becoming revealed to us by the work of God in our hearts and minds. This is a very common Christian experience when you think about it. For me, it, it often occurs over a number of days and over many conversations. And so I find myself reading something interesting one evening, and that then connects with a conversation I have the next day that sets my mind buzzing a bit more. And that then reminds me of a sermon I heard two weeks ago, which was on this topic, which then prompts me to chat to Ali about it over dinner one night, 
which then casts a whole new light on the conversation I had earlier the day before. And that then lines up with the Bible reading I happen to look at the next morning. And that then percolates along in my slow-witted brain for a few days. And then seemingly from nowhere, there's the aha moment. The clouds part, the pieces lock into place. And all of a sudden, some fresh aspect of the truth of Christ, something that I didn't understand or poorly understood, becomes clear to me, becomes known to me, becomes revealed to me. It might be something I once was taught but had forgotten or never really understood. It might be something I now understand in a new or clearer or fuller way. Whatever it is, even though it may not have been through a Damascus Road apocalypse, God has made something known to me that I didn't know before. He's uncovered a new light in my understanding. And very often it is not by him inserting a brand new piece of information into my brain. Very often it's by clearing away all the intellectual junk and obstacles that have been preventing me from seeing the truth and implications of what I've already been taught countless times through the scriptures. This kind of revelation can creep up on you over time, or it can occur to you quite suddenly, or in many cases, possibly both. Later in chapter 14, we see it happening quite suddenly as people are sharing their words of prophecy and encouragement with each other. Paul says in verses 29 and 30 of 1 Corinthians 14, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. I guess it's obvious enough, but worth saying, the edifying words we bring with each other to church, whether they're hymns or lessons or revelations or prophecies, they don't have the same status as scripture. They need to be tested and considered. In fact, as one person speaks, another person might suddenly have an insight, a revelation, that builds upon or improves or even corrects what has just been said. 1 Corinthians 14 really does paint a delightful and I suppose challenging picture of what should happen when we get together as Christ's congregation when we come together. We come bringing God-given words with us to the gathering. We come with the gospel that we've been taught, the scriptural knowledge that we have and have acquired over time, the lessons we've learned, the hymns or songs that we know, the psalms that have shaped us and that we've read and thought about and prayed over, the prophetic applications of the gospel that have become clear to us, and the revelations we've received, the insights or new understandings that God has revealed to our minds. And we come ready to share these with each other for mutual building up, for the mutual benefit and growth of the body of Christ. It's a wonderful picture of God using all of us, all the different parts of the body, each with our own knowledge and experience and learnings and understandings, and sharing those with one another to build one another up. I'm wondering what you bring with you to church on Sunday. Do you bring a Bible, perhaps? Although these days, perhaps just bring your phone. Do you bring a tired and disengaged mind? A set of grievances? A desire to be fed and cared for? Or perhaps some grumbling kids? We bring all sorts of things with us to church. But the key thing to bring with us, says the Bible in 1 Corinthians 14 are God-given words 
which edify and encourage other people in love. Now, is that a revelation for you? Well, I hope you found that interesting and encouraging, even edifying, if not a complete revelation. I've been thinking quite a bit recently about Christian community and what it means to be a community of Christians together. And what we talked about in today's episode has a lot to do with that. Because a community is really a group of people that shares something profoundly in common, that unites them and binds them together. A communion, a a union in something together. And as Christians, of course, the communion we have, the community we have, is Jesus Christ. That's what we share. He is what binds us together through his spirit. The bond of peace, the bond of unity and being one body in and through him. And so that's why the word of Jesus Christ, dwelling richly among us, as Paul says elsewhere, is at the heart of what it means to be a community, to share with each other and meet each other as people who bring the word of Jesus Christ to one another, as people for whom Jesus is the thing we have in common. Now, if you have any questions or thoughts about this topic, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can go over to the Painful Truth website, that's thepainfultruth.online, and just leave a comment there in the post, or you can send me an email on the address that I already mentioned above, that's tonyjpayne at me.com. It's been great to have you here with me once again on The Painful Truth. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.